On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I am your host. In today's episode, I am welcoming back my coworker and previous E-Series guest, Kelly Olmeda, Hospice of the Piedmont's Director of Quality, Compliance, and Education. Kelly is an advocate for the value of education, the importance of self-care, and fostering support for the needs of caregivers. As a part of her work on Hospice of the Piedmont's Wellness Committee, she has spent much time with a local physical therapy assistant, Annette Corrin, who is doing incredible work supporting individuals with Parkinson's disease and their caregivers. You can read more about Kelly and Annette in today's show notes. My hope is that you will find this episode as inspiring and encouraging as I did. Let's jump right in. My name is Kelly Almeida. I am the Director of Quality Compliance and Education here at Hospice of the Piedmont. And today I'm joined by Annette Carrad. Annette is a longtime friend of Hospice of Randolph and Hospice of the Piedmont. She is a physical therapist assistant with Deep River Rehabilitation in Asheboro, North Carolina. And she's been there for 19 plus years. She is married to David Corrin of 28 years. David also works with Hospice of the Piedmont. And Annette really enjoys teaching exercise classes, health and wellness, and helping people gain a a greater knowledge and understanding of running. She's an avid runner. And so the time that I've known Annette, she has definitely taught me a few things about being active and keeping up with uh, my physical activity. She herself has participated in over 100 five or 10K races. I've done exactly one and I did not race anybody about it. I just walked. And she also facilitates the Parkinson's support group, which is held in Asheboro in Randolph County. She's done that for 14 years. And that support group meets on the second Friday of every month at 1030 a.m. at Hospice of Randolph in the education wing. And Hospice of Randolph is an affiliate of Hospice of the Piedmont. So welcome, Annette. Um, Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you here. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with us about you and how you became involved in uh, working with people with Parkinson's disease? Well, it it goes back to, you know, back whenever I was in school, because people ask me all the time, they say, you know, well, why in the world do you get so involved with Parkinson's? Do you have Parkinson's? Do you know somebody has Parkinson's? And back whenever we were in school, we were asked by our professor, whenever we were studying all these different pathologies, they said, you know, well, you need to pick one and just really dig into it deep, you know, just really get into it. And my dad, back during this time and back whenever I was growing up, we noticed he had what was called a non-essential tremor. And what this kind of means is whenever we would sit down to eat at night, we would always notice that his thumb would just twitch. And as he got older, it got worse. So I thought, I'm going to figure out what's going on with dad. So I got into Parkinson's because Parkinson's is known for tremors. So it was kind of how I got into, you know, just wanting to know more about Parkinson's. It's just kind of grew and took off from there. Yeah, became a lifelong interest. So 
Could you tell us just in general, what is Parkinson's disease? What does that diagnosis mean? Well, Parkinson's disease is a progressive neurological disorder, and it's second only to Alzheimer's. Um, and it's where the central nervous system is not getting enough dopamine. Uh, dopamine is supplied in the very center cortex of the brain. It's a little area. It's about the size of a walnut, and it's known as the basal ganglia. And inside that area is something called the substantia nigra. Now you see why I had to dig deeper in all this stuff, because some of these names are really, really. Mm. But uh, we go back to you know how the good Lord made us. Uh, with the substantia nigra, there is rings that are around the substantia nigra, just like in a tree. And whenever you have Parkinson's disease, you, the rings are not there. And, you know, people say, well, how do you know if you have Parkinson's? The only definitive way you can know you have it is by autopsy. I know that that's not, you know, what people want to hear. Not but, the way uh, they want to find no, out. No, 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 no. And, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the, whenever you go to the doctor's appointments, you know, they have figured out, you know, ways of telling if you have Parkinson's. But definitively to know it is with an autopsy. And what they do is they look and see if there, you have those rings there. But if you don't have the dopamine as that neurotransmitter, it dopamine, it, it handles movement. That's what it's there for. It's in the family with all the endorphins. You know, you have the endorphins make you happy, make you sad, you know, do different things to sort of make everything work. Uh, the easiest way for me to describe how dopamine works is like whenever you order your package, you know, you know, you're getting it from California, you place the order, and it's almost like the brain has told the big toe what it wants it to do, it wants it to lift up and move. But the problem is whenever, you know, you send out that message, the dopamine, which is supposed to be the communication there, it's not making that full communication. You're not getting everything you need to make that action take place. So, so you the can, package is not getting delivered. The, the package is not getting to where it's supposed to be. Right. So it may be in Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> we don't know. So. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I've, you've mentioned that there's not really a definitive way to diagnose it. But are there have there been some improvements in science and ways that we can maybe have a, a little better understanding? There has, there has. Um, Parkinson's was first it was first uh, noticed and actually called Parkinson's back in 1817. It was by a fellow called James Parkinson's, and he gave it the name. Uh, but since then, really, we haven't seen a lot of big. Uh, progression with the disorder other than the medications until about 2011. And they have invented what's called a dopamine transporter scan. This is commonly called a, a DAT scan. And what it does is it scans your body and it can tell how much dopamine is actually being released in your system. So this, again, was created in 2011. And again, it's great because there's just so much more research that's out there now, you know, so many years ago, you heard Parkinson's and you really just didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. Today, at least people have an idea of what it is. Just to give you an idea of how many people have it, nearly 1 million Americans have Parkinson's wow. disease, 10 million people worldwide. Uh, and they're saying that like 60,000 people are diagnosed with Parkinson's each year. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. So what, uh, 
What are some of the symptoms? You've mentioned a tremor. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some other symptoms of Parkinson's disease that are are pretty common? Well, you have to kind of break it down into motor symptoms and non-motor symptoms. Uh, Motor symptoms are what you see physically. Non-motor symptoms are what may be more what's going on in the inside. With motor symptoms, it can be a tremor, which is normally the first thing that you see. Uh, Bradykinesia, which is a slowing of the movement. Uh, You can have hesitations. Uh, You get the rigidity, again, where the, 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 the brain is telling the muscles to do certain things, but it's just not reacting like it's supposed to. So you don't get that movement like you need. Um, you get trouble with speech. Um, and then there, again, is what we look for. This is what I look for whenever I'm, you know, looking at different patients. Uh, a, a reduction in arm swing. They don't swing their arm or take, you know, a normal step on one particular side because it does weaken one side more so than the other. You have uh, difficulty speaking, swallowing, you know, whereas mom used to be able to come out and, you know, yell your names out off the back porch. <laughs> you know, if you have Parkinson's, that reduces, you know, you don't have that volume that you used to have. Uh, you might have muscle spasms. And again, the freezing of the gait. I know a lot of people, they call it fog, freezing of gait. Uh, you have that fascinating pattern. You just can't make your feet move quite like you want them to. And then you start getting into the non-motor symptoms. These go along sort of hand in hand with how dopamine works as a hormone because it is a neurotransmitter as well as a hormone. You have behavioral changes. Uh, They start to go through depression. Um, We used to look at Parkinson's patients with like just this flat, non-expressive facial response. You could tell them something really exciting, but you couldn't tell, you know, if they were excited or not because they just didn't look like they were, you know, even interested in what you were talking about. There was no enthusiasm. Uh, The difficulty in, you know, just non-voluntary responses. A lot of folks that um, I I see daily, you know, they have blood pressure issues. They'll say, well, you know, dad gets up out of the chair and, you know, all of a sudden he just kind of falls back into it, almost like he passes out. And, you know, we just don't know what's going on. Well, there's a word for it and it's called orthostatic hypotension. And what this is, is where whenever they stand up, the blood pressure plummets. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, things like that. uh, We we hate to talk about it, but it's another thing that we need to talk about too. A slowing of the digestive system. Oh, yeah. You could have weight loss. You can have constipation. You can have sweating. There can be interruptions in sleep disorders. And I know you've probably seen some commercials too on Parkinson's medications where it's it's helping with the hallucinations. Oh yeah. So that's another thing that can come into play. Another cognitive piece that can happen. Exactly. Okay. I've- I've heard that patients with Parkinson's disease can lose their sense of smell. Yes. What's that about? Uh, Well, like what we were talking about before, where the substantia nigra is located in that basal ganglia, well, right next door to that is what's called the olfactory. And I know I'm throwing out some big (laughs) words here, but the olfactory is responsible for the sense of smell. So oftentimes, if you have lost that sense of smell, even I, I know with COVID, that was an ongoing thing, but whenever you lose that sense of smell, it may be one of the silent symptoms of Parkinson's and used to probably about, mm, let's say about five or six years ago, doctors, neurologists would have a little card in their offices that would have the smell of a lemon and they would ask you to smell it. If you couldn't smell it, then they would check, you know, a little bit further and deeper. It's into kind of an longer, initial screening. Yeah. Okay. If it was Parkinson's. Wow. So 
we've talked a little bit about what Parkinson's disease is. How does it develop and is there a cure? Um, well, how it develops, um, nine times out of 10, you, you don't really start to see a lot of the signs and symptoms until you're like in your late 50s, early 60s. Um, you will, though... And the more you talk with people with Parkinson's, you will you will hear this. Well, I started noticing this in my early 50s or I started noticing this. A lot of times it's all about symptoms. Um, you start to see things and then you just start to tell yourself, well, you know, it's just because I was tired or it's just because I've got a lot on my plate. You know, it's really, you know. You need to pay attention to your body. This right. is your house. You know, right. our bodies are our house and we're this is what we've got to live in. So we really need to pay attention to these things, you know, just to, and even bring it up to the doctor and say, OK, I'm noticing this or noticing this. Caregivers play a big part into this, mm -hmm. too, because if you're seeing mom not doing some of the things that she used to do or a little bit sl slower about doing some of the things that she used to do, you know, not to call out and say, oh, my gosh, she's got Parkinson's. But it may just be something to just kind of look into. Men are one in five times more likely to have Parkinson's. And, you know, again, it can relate to genetic factors and environmental factors, because I know we've heard more and more and more about this recently, too. The genetic factors are something that has been brought up through the Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Parkinson's Foundation. What they've determined is there is a genetic marker that has presented a mutation, and it's called the LRRK2+. Now, I know that's getting way <laughs> deep into stuff, and we don't want to get that deep into it, but only about 10 to 15% of the folks with Parkinson's may have something like that. Then you've also heard about, you know, uh, like environmentally, how it could be you know, using Roundup, you know, well, dad used to be out there whenever they used to spray the fields and stuff like that. You know, it can lead into like some chemicals and things like that that get into our system. This can actually cause Parkinson-isms, which mm -hmm. what we talked about with my dad. My dad used to weld oh. in a little bitty building down behind our house and there was no ventilation. Mm -hmm. And so my, if I had to say, okay, what did my dad have? Mm -hmm. My dad had a Parkinsonism. Mm -hmm. It was because he had inhaled all that fumes from those mm -hmm. welders, those welding sticks. And that's what caused wow. his little tremor. Now, I don't know that for sure. I'm not going to lay claim to it, but make yeah, an educated guess. Educated guess. There we go. There we go. So how can I manage if I'm diagnosed with Parkinson's disease or if I'm caring for someone with Parkinson's disease, how can I manage uh, the care for my loved one uh, and help them be independent or um, even slow down symptoms or just manage all the different aspects of care? Do you have any advice about that? Well, I looked at um, a young man who his name is Sergey Bram, and he is the co-founder of Google. Uh, he actually stepped down from his presidency due to this genetic mutation that we were talking about uh, that could possibly lead to Parkinson's. He didn't even know if he had it or not, but he was just concerned. And, you know, here he's got this big, huge company. And I know we all know Google, uh, <laughs> but he's got this big company. And he just decided, OK, I'm going to do something for the good. He gave $1 billion to the research studies that's going on with the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Now, if you have found out you have Parkinson's and you want to be a positive step forward 
if you are in the least little bit interested in research, reach out to the Michael J. Fox group and the Parkinson's Foundation, because those two groups are really doing a lot of great work with, you know, just being able to, you know, take care of the, the the symptoms, you know, giving you information, just trying to find out new things, new innovative care for Parkinson's. But since he stepped down and gave all this money to Michael J. Fox, you know, he was back in the limelight again. Uh, someone asked him, what is the one thing that has really helped you prevent the progression of Parkinson's disease? And this man did not hesitate. He said, exercise, exercise, exercise. So one of the smartest people in the world promotes yeah. movement. I mean, that's your big thing. You cannot just get this diagnosis and just suddenly just sit down and give up. It is not something that's going to take away your life. It may change it, but it's not going to take away your life. And I'm going to throw out one thing here, Kelly. Okay. Uh, my brother, who is, you know, he's, got, he's, he's in a wheelchair and he's got something totally different going on. But he used to say, you know, I'm not handicapped. I'm inconvenienced. Oh, yeah. And so that's what you've got to think about. With that. Parkinson's, you're not given a death sentence. Mm -hmm. Parkinson's won't kill you. Mm. It's the things that go with Parkinson's, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not Parkinson's itself. Okay. So exercise promotes a natural supply of dopamine. So oh, if you me. can exercise and just move, and I'm not saying go out here and run a marathon. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but just doing things that are going to help fight the balance issues, the gait issues, you know, the rigidity, it, it's going to help produce a little bit more dopamine naturally in your system. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of great groups that I love and are close to my heart that I'm going to give a shout out to. One is any Tai Chi class or course. I know it doesn't like you're doing these big, bold movements, but it just works so wonderfully for balance for those issues. Uh, the other is a group called Rock Steady Boxing. And I love it because they let you beat up on a boxing bag. If you feel like you're you need to get out some some frustration, they let you beat up on a boxing bag. And it's the great, great part about it because it gives you, you know, that high intensity that will help stimulate that extra dopamine that you need in your system. And exercise works hand in hand with the diet because you really have to watch again about constipation. That can be a, a, a big Issue. Because of motility, yeah, muscle exactly. Not, I got it. And again, communication. Right. Okay? You know, you got, you got to. It's got to go. It's right. got, got to go. tell yeah, everything. Got to tell it what to do. Yeah. yeah. Hi friends, as mentioned earlier in the episode, for those living in the Piedmont Triad area of North Carolina, the Randolph County Parkinson Support Group meets the second Friday of each month at 10.30 a.m. at Hospice of Randolph in Ashboro. This group is open to both those with Parkinson's disease and their caregivers. For more information on this group, as well as other resources through the Parkinson's Foundation and local resources such as the Randolph Senior Adults Association, be sure to check out the links in today's show notes. And now, let's get back to the conversation. So, it, it sounds a bit overwhelming, and I can only imagine what caregivers must feel when they are, you know, trying to navigate all the different highs and lows of Parkinson's disease and caregiving. So what are some, what's some advice that you can give to caregivers on how to take care of themselves and how to take care of their loved ones? 
Okay, I preach this, preach this, preach this, preach this all the time for my Parkinson's uh, support group. You have to be your biggest advocate. I have had so many people who have told me they have gone to their doctors, they've been tested for this, tested for that, and finally they come down to, okay, we think it's Parkinson's. And I've had one patient who has told me, you know, well, they told me I had Parkinson's, but they said, but whatever you do, don't go home and research it, because if you do, you will be so overwhelmed and so depressed, you'll never want to leave your home again. Ugh. I mean, that's 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 not what we want to hear. You know, we're all here in this world to live this life. Um, the other was the wait and see approach. Don't ever wait and see. Life's too precious. You know, find out more about it. You know, if you're not happy with the answers that you're being given, there are tons of neurologists out there. Find one that's going to work and be special for you. A lot of the caregivers, you know, this may be something that you have to push. None of us want to be told we have this, but if we are, again, you know, there's 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 research out there. There's stuff out there that you can jump into and really take the bull by the horns. Uh, and like again, like I say, caregivers have to be a huge part of this. They have to wear a lot of hats. They have to be, uh, you know, oh gosh, they have to be your nutritionist, they have to be your coach, they have to be your psychologist or psychiatrist, they have to be so many different things for, you know, this Parkinson's uh, patient, because again, you know, the symptoms are, they can be overwhelming, um, and we haven't gotten into medications, they have to be the ones to really stay on top of medications, um, and what that comes down to is, and I know we've watched Michael J. Fox, we've watched him, you know, go through this whole process, you know, I feel like, uh, and I know you have seen where he's started to get more of the, what's called the chlorea. He has this swerving effect where he can't sit still, you know, yeah. and tremors is again a part of it, but a lot of this swerving uh, effect comes from medications. The medications that they give are carvedopa, levodopa, and what's called cinnamint, and those are the big three that's out there now for Parkinson's. And what it does is it controls those symptoms. It will reduce the tremors. It will help with the fascinating gait, you know, the bradycancia where you're slow, the slow in movements. It will help with that stuff. Um, but what happens is whenever you start to navigate this path, uh, medications have on times and off times. Um, they tell you when you first start taking it, you get with your doctor, you get with your, uh, you know, the neurologist. Mm -hmm. And he says, OK, I'm going to give you this. We're going to take it this many times a day, you know, you know, these hours. And, you know, that's kind of what you get used to. Well, whenever you first start taking it, they tell you this should last six to eight hours. Well, the problem with that is your body starts to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. So as it starts to adapt and gets used to this synthetic, you know, dopamine that's going in your system, you know, you start that, that, that six to eight hours starts to turn into five hours. So if you're going out and you're running your errands and, you know, you're doing your grocery shopping and, you know, your banking and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden that six hours is five hours and your symptoms start to magnify. That can get a little scary. And that's what we call that off time. What you need to do is make sure you stay on top of how your medications work. Now, caregivers, again, they're a huge part of this. 
And whenever I say they have to be like a nutrition and dietitian, it's that same way too. I have a lot of folks that kind of get aggravated because they'll take their medication after they've eaten a meal. And for some unknown reason, it just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Well, the cause of that is whenever you eat a meal that's like high in protein, like Kelly, if we yeah. eat like a big steak uh-huh. and a baked potato, and then we take our carvedopa or levodopa, and it doesn't work, we can't figure out why. Why did, why did I do differently? What's going on? Well, sometimes the reason can be something as simple as, you know, the, the receptors in the stomach are picking up that protein first. And they just kick off your medication because protein comes first, medication comes second, and it flushes right through your system. Gotcha. So you may think, oh, I'm taking my medication. I've got five hours of on time. You may not have any on time, wow. you know. So That's so much to keep up with. The, the caregivers are are trying to watch for, I imagine it's sort of like hovering over this their loved one to count every time they need new medication or what they're eating and what time is it and how much activity are they doing? And it's a lot. That sounds really, really overwhelming. It is. It is. And that's why I say the caregivers don't neglect yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because one of the other, you know, the non-motor, like what we talked about, cognition and depression, those are really like the silent symptoms. And you can be doing the caregiver, you can be doing everything right. You can be, you know, doing your part and being right there with it. But, you know, if you have a loved one, if your spouse is not sleeping through the night, mm-hmm. but will sleep in the recliner during the day mm-hmm. or going through depression or going through some of these hallucinations, those things like that are things that you really need to reach out and say, I need some help with this. And your neurologist, your even your therapist, you know, OT, speech, PT, talk with someone. But again, these, 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 support groups, these caregiver 101s that are out there, these classes that you can take, these these different things that are available to you. Don't look at those and say, oh, no, I can't do that because I don't want people to know what I'm going through. I don't want people to think I'm weak. I don't want people to think I can't handle this. Yeah. You need to reach out. You need to be you know, cared for as well. Right. So I know that you're very, you, you run the, the Parkinson support group in Ashboro. Uh, and that meets again, the, the second Friday of every month okay. in the education wing at hospice of Randolph County. We meet there at 1030, okay. you know, those Friday mornings. Okay, mm-hmm. great. And then there are some other organizations in the community there that are able to help or offer guidance or information. And I'm sure even nationally, what are what are some places you recommend people look? Through the Ashboro Senior Adult Center. They actually send out a newsletter uh, every month. It's called The Nurturer. And they offer like sitters. They offer, you know, caregiver support. Um, and again, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Uh, the foundations, like I mentioned before, like the Parkinson's Foundation and Michael J. Fox Foundation, Parkinson's of the Carolinas, uh, all these groups have information for you that, you know, it's free. It's free to the public to be able to reach out and get, you know, just to have more more knowledge about what's going on and just to realize that you're not in this boat by yourself. 
Uh, with research, you know, there's so much more that's coming out. Every time I have a meeting, every time I have a meeting, there is someone who brings up something that's brand new that's like, okay, Annette, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. uh, the latest one that we heard about when I was talking about on and off times, Kelly, mm -hmm. is a nasal spray now oh. that they have where you can actually, if you start to feel like you're having an off time, you know, you can use this nasal spray and it'll give you an hour. Oh, my. So sometimes it's just that hour that helps you get home and get back inside and get where you need to be nice. to get your medication. So, I mean, there's so many things. But again, I can't preach it enough. Be your biggest advocate. Don't be afraid to ask the questions that you need to ask. And if someone is not answering your questions the way you feel like they need to, Go somewhere else. There's so many different different yeah. foundations out there, That's different right. different Thank groups you. out there. Thank so. you. And we do try to promote as many caregiver resources as we can here at Hospice of the Piedmont. Obviously, you have a strong connection to our Randolph branch uh, in Ashboro and, and are very much an expert on the available res uh, resources there. We have lots of available caregiver resources. Uh, for our other counties, we do serve eight counties. And each of those counties have different resources. So I encourage you all to look up uh, resources in your county, specifically senior resources, because like Annette said, this does affect older adults more uh, predominantly. So I, I've learned a lot. I appreciate your help and your guidance and all of the information that you've given us today. Well, thank Annette. you for having me today. I've enjoyed it. This has been great. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the E-Series. One take-home message from today's conversation is the importance of self-advocacy and advocating for your loved one. If you or your loved one has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, we encourage you to engage with your physician or medical community and start building your support team. Connect with local and national resources, equip yourself with knowledge of your loved one's condition, and be proactive in connecting with others that can help support you. You are not alone. As a reminder, resources shared in today's episode are included in the show notes, so I encourage you to check those out. We've got some great guests lined up, so be sure to tune in next month for another inspiring conversation. And, per usual, don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll receive a notification as each episode publishes. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.